Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of We Need to Talk. Today joining me on the show are three of the founders of United Stages Collective. At a time when diversity and representation are being amplified around the world, United Stages Collective is aiming to bring Aboriginal Australian creative excellence to Hollywood. Their goal is to bring a different perspective to the film and television industry, as well as presenting the industry with an opportunity for more intersection and collaboration. Matt Coleman, Madison Prince, and Sam Cook. Welcome to the show. Hi, Hi. hello. Thanks for having us. Of course, of course. I'm really excited to know more about this collective. So let's just go back to the beginning and let me know. And you can each individually talk however you want to share how you came together to collaborate and become the founders for this collective. What was the light bulb for you when you decided, you know what? This is something that we need to create. Uh, well, I might start just because uh, I'm the kind of grandmother of the story, if you will. <laughs> uh, I was uh, the creative director on um, the first Aboriginal theatrical production to come to the United States in full form um, in LA. Uh, we had a theatre production called The Seven Stages of Grieving at Skylight Theatre. And, um, you know, I, I think as I kind of tell the story, it's one of those moments where uh, the population of the hidden Aboriginal community in the United States, Aboriginal Australian community, uh, would gravitate. And we sort of found ourselves all at the uh, theatre production, uh, got to talking at the end of the event. Um, I had spotted Matt Coleman in the audience because he had this Aboriginal uh, hoodie on, <laughs> which I had the same one. So I was like, okay, there's someone who sort of knows. And then... Um, found out he's a brother from Australia and uh, that was I guess the genesis of the original uh, gathering uh, where we sort of met and then the mm -hmm. idea really uh, at that point came about because every single one of us had experience and uh, are at various stages in our career in the arts and entertainment industry so it was about going okay well there is a, a hidden community here of uh, creative excellence it takes a lot um, to be able to leave your you know often remote or regional aboriginal community or urban center to then yeah. travel and migrate to the united states uh, so um that was pretty important to sort of mark that you know we've got excellent people on the ground here let's do something about it um i just felt a little bit isolated initially i moved here in late uh 2015 and i didn't really have a good support network to bounce off of so um eventually when sam my mom moved here um that was kind of the initial startup for me and then meeting matt meeting julia and um being figuring out that we were able to collaborate with each other in different ways like i know matt's an acting coach uh, in certain aspects of his is his career so you know, I've worked alongside him before and it's just really comforting. It's been comforting knowing that, you know, I have this group of people who just want to do great things. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Yeah. And I mean, I can echo the sentiments of both Sam and uh, Madison when it comes to that moving from Australia, which is its own isolated island as is, uh, to somewhere like Los Angeles that doesn't necessarily breed um ease of community yeah. <laughs> um and especially for a um you know a, a small community but the uh you know oldest continual culture on the planet of you know aboriginal australians or like first nations people um to land in la and uh find them is really important um for us culturally community and uh you know connection to to country is really important mm -hmm. and so when you're off country 
um, whether that be in a different part of Australia, but specifically overseas, you kind of feel lost or alone. And so for me, that was a, a huge sort of hole in my soul was yeah. feeling like I had community or a sense of, uh, a sense of being as a, you know, as a, as a first nations man, as a Wiradjuri man and, you know, meeting both Sam and Madison and Julia as well yeah. and creating this little collective, um, it's just really important uh, for our storytelling. Absolutely. And I want to talk a little bit about your culture. What are some aspects of your culture that are really important to bring to the film and television industry that people may not be aware of? I think a big part of that is diversity. Uh, when you talk Aboriginal Australia, you're talking over 800 tribal nations. It's yeah, which I was so shocked to read. I had absolutely no idea. And I'm sure a lot of people aren't aware of that as well. Yeah, and you're also, you know, rooting um, historical accuracy in place. Australia is a black country. Um, Aboriginal people are black people of the world. And, you know, we see ourselves as part of the world's majority. Um, so it's mm -hmm. about, uh, you know, just really being able to kind of come forward, but also uh, the uniqueness of our individual stories. As Matt mentioned, his Wiradjuri, we're Nikana, um, we're completely different uh, countries, if you will, uh, in the same way as if you were traveling through Europe, you would have uh, di different customs and uh, rituals in various parts of the, the country. So, um, you know, that I think is a, an important sort of ground uh, framework. And I think um, Madison and Matt can absolutely contribute. I mean, I'm, I'm a Yugana woman, so I'm from Broome, uh, Northwest, um, Northwest Australia. Being a Yigana woman over here, for me, you know, in our community, community alone, we have so so many stories, and um, even so, Mum is the founder of Black History Month in Australia. So, as a whole, Australia has just this like influx of stories that uh, I think need to be told, um, and it's you know, there's been so many great moments. Um, so I think that ties into our cultural history. You know, we've we've achieved so much, um, and a part of my legacy is wanting to bring these forward. And Matt, for you, culturally, what is very important to bring to the states? Uh, culturally, for me, it is that uh, thing that uh, you know Sam had touched on, which is that there are sort of eight hundred different countries or nations across Australia, which um, have each their own uh, totems and cultural practices, and uh, uh, you know, women's business and men's business, and and all sorts of things where it's not just. Aborigine blanket or Aboriginal blanket, the same way as you can never just be like, oh, you're European, full stop. Can you speak European? Um, I think it's really important uh, for uh, the world to see that, you know, Indigenous or First Nations Australians are uh, one in the same in terms of our ideas, our connection to, um, uh, to the earth and to the spirit and to each other and community is really important as an umbrella. Um, and, but then we have our independent individual stories as, as mob or country, um, which depending on whether you're saltwater people or, you know, desert people, there are different stories, song lines, um, cultural practice, which I think now more than ever, it's important to be telling those stories. When, and Matt, I'm just going to continue with, with you on this question. When you came to the States, were you surprised by race relations 
at all? Or were you slightly aware of how perceptions were of different marginalized groups in this country? You know, I, I think I, I, I don't know why I am, but I am always so surprised by race relations or, or lack of uh, understanding or empathy mm-hmm. or, you know, uh, you know, the, the thing for me is wherever you are, you don't know what you don't know. And so, you know, there are yes. some people who are ignorant and then there are just some people who are racist. Um, and so race relations, I found very uh, interesting. Um, I sort of felt that I knew a little bit about it. I'd worked on a um, on sort of a comparative study between um, uh, what were the two? Oh God! Here I go talking about something, and I've forgotten what they were. It's uh, the longest <laughs> yard, with uh, which is I think Fred Diagua and um, uh, what was the what was the comparative study we did? Uh, no sugar, um, which is an Australian uh, indigenous piece, and sort of talking about the mm-hmm. the race relations uh, uh, comparatively between sort of. Black Australia and and Black America and and slavery and yeah, things like yeah. that, um, specifically. Um, but talking in in more current current times, the race relations the world over is terrible. But I think there is a huge sort of polarity between those who are accepting of of race and differences and those who are absolutely not. It's it's more divisive. Uh, or it has become more divisive over the, the past couple of years, given the, the uh, environment we've all been marinated in here um, in America. So, yeah. And I think, I think the arts have an interesting position, but kind of a responsibility to be leaders in bridging that gap because arts do connect everybody, right? And and I think that that's what's so beautiful about what you guys are doing, not just from a cultural perspective, but also I feel like it'll bring more awareness even to what's happening in America because you're set, you're showing people how to have the intersection with different cultures and different races. And I'm hoping that it'll, you know, spread across the industry as a whole. And we're working so hard in this country to have more diversity and more inclusion. So Sam, I'm going to direct this question to you when it comes to diversity and inclusion within the film and television industry, what are your main goals with this collective in the messaging that you're trying to send and the conversations that you're having? For me, it's being present in the space, but it's also holding space for uh, our international um, people of colour, uh, our diversity and equity spectrum. And, it, you know, it's such a diverse, uh, loaded space unto itself. Um, picking up on what Madison said, there's so many stories to tell. And um, also picking yes. up on what Matt just said, you know, the identity uh politics is interesting but it's also a big chunk as I you know keep continue to dive through uh, Australia's black history uh, that you know few people even know that there's such a a direct connection between um, the United States and the civil rights movements of Australia and uh, black America and we go back to Garvey so you know to to be able to tell these stories um, in a in an environment that's now opening up and seeing the value of diversity, uh, the words that we're able to contribute to the page, um, the way in which we're able to frame them with, um, I think, you know, our unique perspective is coming from the earth. So really earthed and sort of grounded Mm -hmm. um, perspective makes it a really uh, 
exciting time, I think, um, for all of us. And, you know, one of the points with uh, founding United Stages Collective is that often we're intersected with and, um, you know, we come to the table as the other. Uh, we wanted to drive mm -hmm. an initiative where we, you know, sat at the table and brought everyone to our campfire so that people could come and learn and share. And, yeah. You know, we create joy, which is um, arts and entertainment. And Madison, you're an actress, correct? Yes. So for you, have you felt for your culture and your people that there has been representation on TV and film? And if there has been for you, how have you perceived it? Because I know for me, as someone who's a singer and an actress as well, I often do see Black Americans on television, but I'm not always happy with the way that they are being represented. So in terms of Australia, I think the representation of New Guinea people is little to none. Um, and then in terms of Aboriginal people as a whole, it's very stereotypical. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's that kind of the, the trauma roles that are being, you know, replayed and replayed and replayed. Yeah. Um, and then over in Hollywood, there is, again, little to no representation of Indigenous, Australian, uh, Indigenous Australians. How do you want to change some of those stereotypes? I think it's perfectly normal for Indigenous Australians to you know come in and and just play everyday roles mm -hmm. like it could be a comedy it could be a romantic comedy it doesn't have to be uh the stereotypical uh like i said the you know the replaying of when the the missionaries came in and ripped the the families apart it doesn't need to be that all the time and i think that's what the world uh sees yeah. of australia and i i don't know if um, the world is able to kind of look past that at this point in terms of entertainment. I know in Australia itself, there's things like uh, there are certain kind of shows on the rise that are uh, maybe messing with stereotypes a little, but I don't think they're a easily accessible to the rest of the world. I think um, it's a very small community that's, you know, watching these and, and is the audience for this. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it's I think it's really just those traumatic roles that I want to I want to get rid of. And I, as an actress, you know, we've written material that counteracts mm -hmm. that, that it tells new stories. Yeah. What is and this could be for any of you, but what has the response been to you bringing this collective to the states and wanting to have more representation for your people with within the industry? And I ask that because. For people of color in America, they're also still striving for that representation. So have you had any pushback that's kind of like, hey, wait your turn. Let people of color that are from America get their chance before we start bringing people from other countries in to have their representation? I haven't seen that yet. I'm sure... Yeah. Good. I'm um, glad. <laughs> I just wanted to know like what the response has been because yeah. I could see that happening. Yeah, That's I mean, why I'm asking. I'm, I'm sure it's out there. There's always, um, you know, the space for um, debate around all of identity issues and whose turn is it and, you know, representation of First yeah. Nations identity um, and where that sits in the ecology of, um, you know, the United States, for example. Um, but I think you know, especially being in, in LA, it's there's a universal platform for stories to be told. I think what we're seeing now is more of an acceptance for people to 
um, slide into roles affirming a bit more of their identity. Um, and an example of that is if you look at old Hollywood where uh, there was a, a movement to anglicise your name um, to kind of conduct yourself in a certain way, um, almost misrepresenting uh, your own nationalities uh, for, the for the purpose of yeah. uh, securing the roles. I think what we see now is that there is more openness for people to be more authentic and stand in their kind of truth. Uh, in the, in the system uh, and and then bring their own uh, representation to those roles. I do. I, I find it interesting. I think in terms of a like, wait your turn. Is it my turn? Is it? it I think they're really. If we you know, cut the fat. It's anyone else's turn that is not uh, you know, uh, white cisgender. Essentially, uh, you know, where, where to go there. It's uh, diversity is key for, I mean, arts in general. But I think yeah. uh, we've, we've definitely yeah. got to that that uh, sort of intersection now where, where Hollywood specifically in those stories um, that are being told have to be told. Um, you know, by people of colour, by, um, you know, people uh, who have disabilities, um, you know, the LGBTQIA plus community, those stories yeah, have yeah. to be told. We're, uh, we're not, we're, we're all humans, right? We're all having a human experience, but the stories that are being told are very, uh, very white. Um, and uh, that only represents the, the tiniest percentage of the population anywhere. Yeah. Um, and so what I'm seeing is that whether it is um, us as First Nations Australians saying, hey, we're going to create a, a platform um, for First Nations Australians within First Nations uh, people from all around the world um, is us creating space for you know, our black and brown brothers and sisters um, to come and stand with us and by us and say it's our turn as well. And I think with all of the incredible stories that can be told in the world, there is space for everyone. Yes. Yes. I absolutely agree. I absolutely agree. There's, there's place at the table for everybody. And if not, then you just build your own table, right? Exactly. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. yeah. Just add it. Just absolutely. put some more on and there, I think right? The other yeah. thing that you said, you know, yes, a lot of the stories that are are being told are more white centered, but I think also when you do make the attempts to have diversity inclusion, it's also a white perspective of that diversity. And that's what's so frustrating for me because you don't want to see a story told about Aboriginal people that's told by a white American, you know, because it's not going to be authentic. And I think that's also the struggle that a lot of people of color in the industry are having is that yes we see ourselves on screen at times but it's your version of what you think we are or should be so how do we get past that as artists and as creators and as producers and as writers what are you doing to change that because it's not just about people in front of the camera it's also behind the camera that's just as important yes yeah, so i'm co-writing conscientious objector which is a family story and i'm co-writing it with my mom sam um Conscientious objector for me, because um, I, I wrote a role in it for myself, which coincidentally is the role of my grandma. So I'm telling my grandma's story, uh, very personal, personal for me. Um, I felt uh, also as an actress, you know, I was kind of done clawing my way to the top. I wanted to get my own content out there. Uh, I wanted to tell stories that were meaningful to me. So that uh, was part of the reason how and why, you know, conscientious objector 
um, began, but I, um, it's also just meaningful as a family story, like I said, um, and we've written, we've written the first draft um, of that. It's a feature film. Yeah, well, I, I guess picking up on that story and the lens, I mean, it's telling a, a piece of history that is little um, unknown, I, I feel, uh, but also undervalued when um, you look at the premise of the story being uh, centred around the Aboriginal experience um, of standing up in objection to the Vietnam War. Uh, but at that time in Australia, Aboriginal people were classified in the category of flora and fauna, so we were considered plants and animals, um, which was the basis of the conscientious objection, uh, being not recognised in your own country, therefore um, not willing to participate in uh, a war that did not involve um, you know, Aboriginal people, but also identifying that um, there's probably more of a uh, empathy and humility uh, toward uh, the Vietnamese communities and their struggle uh, at that time as Aboriginal people, but then to be told that uh, you either go to war or you go to jail, um, which is the kind of catalyst of the, the storyline. Um, and then within that story, tracing um, two of the uh, three individuals who uh, were involved in the conscientious objection, um, their journey to the Vietnam War as young Aboriginal men and what that uh, represented for them, uh, how they intersected with um, uh, Black and Indigenous soldiers from the United States um, being on the same base uh, and really, uh, you know, navigating uh, a war within a war within a war at times uh, around identity. Um, so, you know, stories like this, um, traditionally, they, they don't exist um, in, in the canon of uh, Australia and the United States, but being able to base this on and, and lift off real uh, characters and, and true history um, to explore what this does look like, I think, for us um, in the industry at this time right now is an example of just how we can elevate each other um, and diversify our narrative in Hollywood. I love just simply the idea of people creating their own content. And I think now in 2021, there's so many opportunities to do that and to get it seen and to raise funds and get people behind it. And I think that's actually probably scaring some of the big studios, how, you know, how people are so self-sufficient now and can get things made and they don't really need the backing to get these stories told. So I love that you are very proactive and wanting to tell your own history, also, because as I'm just listening, I'm like, I don't know any of this stuff and I love learning it. And I think that that is one of the ways that we do bridge that gap with race relations and with understanding is just by listening to other people's stories. It's so, so important to listen to other people's stories. So I want to go uh, back to you, Matt, because you're also an actor as well, correct? Yes, correct. When, when, when did you come to LA at first? Uh, when did I get here? Uh, September of 2018. Oh, so you're, you're still kind of a baby LA. Yeah, I'm, kind of, yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm green. I'm very green. I love it. I love it. So what has your experience been like working in the industry coming from Australia? The industry here uh, is, while it is film and television and, uh, you know, I studied theatre, so that was more my world, but coming to LA is more a film television um, space. Uh, 
it's still very different to Australia in terms of the team that you're needing to build here in order to just get in the door, right? In, in Australia, you could have an, an agent who is also your manager that will do film, television, commercial, print, theatre. It just does it all, all-encompassing. And here, you just get a whack, 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 whack. Yeah. With all of, like, build a team. Um, and this is just from the practicality of being able to submit yourself for something yeah and then you know there's the whole rigmarole of you know uh casting directors not being able to use their own imagination to see you as a doctor you have to have a headshot of you in scrubs or Or a jacket the the stethoscope you actually have to be the character yeah so there's already they're like (gasps) i haven't even learned a line yet and it's been all of this work um I think the the hustle is uh, is very different here. The the because of how hard it is um, to break into the industry here, um, people are really sort of they're jumping from from gig to gig or from class to class. Um, in Australia, I find you'll do your three year acting course, and then if you were lucky enough to get the one break, they just recycle you through all of the shows um, and you've, you've done your night or you've done your mm. BCA um, and there's not a lot of continual um, classwork. Um, so as an actor here, it's, uh, it's hard and it's expensive. Um, yes. You know? yes. Yes. <laughs> but also when you get there, it can be super rewarding. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, but, but again, um, you know, just going back to, to race relations and, and color and stories and things like that. Um, you know, I am, I am fairer skinned and very much European passing. Um, and so stepping in for a role as a person of color, stereotypically, I'm not even going to be seen. Mm. Um, and that falls in here. Um, and also in Australia, more so with the Australian stories that are being told, as Madison spoke on earlier. Um, I am uh, a fair-skinned blackfella, so it's my story to tell, but the stories that are being told are stories that require a more stereotypical look in order to make it viable for people to watch and successful for the show. Right. Uh, Comparatively, that has to be so difficult to transition from. Yeah, and, that, and for you, Sam and Madison, how comparatively working in the industry in Australia has it been for you to transition now into being in Los Angeles? I definitely agree with what Matt said in terms of, you know, in Australia, you study, you do your X amount of years and then it's not it's almost like you that that's just done with and then you're you're off into the industry and. You're not focused on that aspect anymore, but here it's continuous study. Like for me, I've done a range of of courses. I've I've studied at Stella Adler. I was doing online classes last year with the Identity School of Acting, um, hoping to move into Richard Lawson Studios soon. Uh, Corf Voice Studios, voice lessons to learn the American accent. So it's, it's a whole range of things that you have to, that that are requirements. You, You can't, you can't fall short on that. So that has been- And then you add social media to the mix and that's a whole different (laughs) conversation, right? Yeah. (laughs) I was going to say though, once you kind of get used to the flow of things, you know what is required of you. And, you know, you you do what you have to do and, and you keep doing it until you get to where you need to be. And Sam, from your perspective with what you do, 
Yeah, so for me, um, I've had a very long, oh, you know, I started early. I was uh, a young child when I kind of knew exactly what I wanted to do, which um, I continued to this point onwards. Um, for me, it was the, the one thing moving here was do I lose the legacy and cur currency that I've built uh, in my career over the last, um, you know, because really I, I kind of professionalised, if you will, at the age of about 15, 16. So um, was, does all that matter when I get here? Um, will I have to, you know, uh, begin at the, the bottom again? You know, where do I... Where do I place? Yeah, start over, yeah. I found that's yeah. not the case, though. Um, people are really excited um, once they they hear, you know, some of the work that I have done, um, the work that I am doing, um, where the value is uh, in terms of my story and how that can look over here. So I've been really thankful for that because that obviously was a concern. And, um, you know, just taking that, uh, that thread for, forward, I think, has just always uh, been me on, um, you know, continuing to be bold, big and brave around my own ideas um, and not necessarily see that there's a, a barrier or a limit to them. So, um, I'm, you know, I'm not done yet. <laughs> I've, got, I've yeah. got a lot more to go on. But, uh, of you know, just building off that, I think important for me was absolutely to see how, um, all of the value of my career um, could translate to the, the U.S. market. Yeah. So big picture goals for United Stages Collective for looking a year, five years in advance. What do you see and what are you hoping to accomplish? The United Stages Collective holding space for inbound um, artists who are really hungry and passionate around their career, uh, you know, willing to to kind of translate that into the US market. You know, we have people back home who are actively making their moves towards um, the United States film and television industry. Um, so it's important to have us here so that they know that, um, you know, the space is held for their arrival as well. Um, you know, it's about celebrating everyone's success at that point. Uh, that, that's a big outcome. Uh, intersection, I feel, is vital. Uh, you know, we want to work with uh, excellence of all colour. Um, we're really excited that we're in a, a place um, where we can do that and, uh, you know, conjure the wind uh, around brilliance and uh, black excellence uh, in all our forms. Uh, I think that's important. Um, and also, you know, continuing to uh, hold space and elevate the... Um, the platform for our, our colleagues, our brothers and sisters here from the First Nations communities. Um, and, you know, our experience uh, by being able to be an ally uh, to other First Nations community means that that also creates, uh, you know, a, a reciprocity in a protocol that we, you know, really um, are supportive of and, and value as part of our own cultural processes. Uh, so, you know, these are some of the things that we're uh, rallying around and just creating great work. You know, in five years' time, there'll be conscientious objector on the screen. There'll be yes. um, new work from Matt Coleman. Um, you know, we've got a lot um, in, in the works. And um, I think the, the team is small but mighty, but it's about amplifying mm -hmm. hidden communities and really elevating all of our voices. Beautiful. 
I love it. I'm so excited for all of you. I think there's never a better time to have this and it's very much so needed. And again, as we said before, there is truly a place at the table for everyone, but you guys are building your own table and I'm here for it. <laughs> uh, can you let everyone know where they can follow you and keep up with you individually and United Stages Collective as well? Madison, I'll start with you. Yes. Yeah, so you can follow my personal page, uh, Madison S. Prince. M-A-D-I-S-O-N-S-P-R-I-N-C-E. And then the United Stages Collective page is, and this is Instagram, is United Stages Collective, or one word is the handle. You can, uh, you can find me. It's uh, Matt Coleman um, on Instagram at Matt Coleman Official. Matt with two Ts. Okay, so I'm um, Sam Cook, and if you look me up, you're going to find the other Sam Cook who... Uh, we all know and love. Um, uh, I have an acronym that I've been using for a while. So it's KMBA uh, Creative, and that's the name of the agency that I'm uh, running. So you can find me at uh, kmbacreative.com. Uh, but collectively, you can find all of us uh, easily through the United Stages Collective website where all our assets uh, and uh, progress is going to be measured and, and that site will grow to be a living, uh, breathing space for all of us. Wonderful. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today. I really enjoyed talking with all of you. We look forward to doing some work with you, Melinda. Yes, absolutely. I look forward to meeting you all in person. And to the listeners, make sure you follow them on social media and subscribe to We Need to Talk and we'll talk to you again real soon. Bye.